It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of the Locked On Sabres podcast is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store and find one of our Locked On rooms, including Locked On Sabres, Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Your Locked On Sabres, your daily podcast on the Buffalo Sabres. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is the Locked On Sabres podcast, your Wednesday morning edition of the show, recording after the Sabres 5-3 win over the New Jersey Devils. Five-game point streak, 9-23-6. Things are looking up. There are some individuals that uh, we'll talk about on tonight's show, especially Rasmus Dahlin and Casey Middlestat, who continue to look really strong since the firing of Ralph Kruger and Don Granados taking over as interim head coach. So we'll get into it on the game itself, including those guys. Um, and we'll t- Granado. I-, I got some stuff on Granado too. I think he is becoming a respectable idea for this team and their future at head coach. So I'll talk about Don Granado in the back half of today's show. Uh, as always, like and subscribe the podcast wherever you are getting it. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Sneaky Joe Sports. You can follow the podcast account at Locked on Sabres. I misspoke, by the way, on our Tuesday episode. I got the days wrong on when Jordan's coming back from vacation. So I think I said on Tuesday that he'd be back for this post-game show, uh, post-game podcast, but he is not, and um, he had one more day. So this was the final day of it, so he'll be back uh, later in the week. So, oh, one other thing that I'll get to on the course of today's podcast. There was an update, an update, a Jack Eichel note from Elliot Friedman in his 31 Thoughts on Sportsnet. So, you know, this is going to be a happy podcast. It's a positive vibes only on this podcast. So, um, or should I get the negative stuff out of the way first? No, I'll save it for the end. Because if you don't want it and you just want to feel good about the Buffalo Sabres right now, which is a rare occurrence in the last decade, um, then you could just listen to the first 20-whatever minutes of the show and I'll give you a warning. When I get into the things that are the two things... From one from this game, and then the Eichel thing that might you might be a negative connotation, uh, and you could skip that. Um, and the other negative thing is our two roots alignment. Again, I will save that for the end. But positive vibes only on the first ninety-five percent of this podcast. Uh, Five-game point streak, as I mentioned, and now don't look now, but you got a race developing for last place. The Sabers are five points behind the Anaheim Ducks for thirtieth. They are six points behind the Ottawa Senators for 29th. They are seven points behind Detroit for 28th. And they have one game less, they have one game fewer uh, in their games played category than Anaheim and Ottawa. And they have played two fewer games than Detroit. So if they keep on this pace, by the time they make up those games, we're gonna, they're going to be three points back of Anaheim and uh, even four points um, only clear of Detroit. So... Not that this is a draft where I think you really have to worry about picking number one overall. I have been misspeaking, by the way, in the podcast. I had a misunderstanding or, um, yeah, I had a misunderstanding of what the lottery changes were in terms of the time period, the timeline for the NHL. The Sabres, if they finish last, can only drop to three. 
as opposed to previously being able to drop to four because they limited the amount of teams that can jump up. So starting this season is that part of it. There are the other parts that don't start till next year, but for this season, the Sabres cannot drop uh, below third in the draft should they finish in last place. But again, as I said, it's starting to develop into a little bit of a race, and as I also said, you really don't have to worry about that all that much this year because no one can even decide who the top guy is, let alone who the top three guys are. I, In preparation for doing that Chris Peters interview I did on this podcast on Friday... I looked at a bunch of different mock drafts, just kind of get a lay of the land and get familiar with some of the names before I went into that, so I didn't go into talking to Chris Cold. And I saw five, maybe six different players listed as the number one overall pick. Owen Power, some people had listed as the number one guy. Luke Hughes, some people had. Uh, Andrew Beniers, I think the center from Michigan, people had up there. There's a Swedish defenseman people had up there. Like it just it doesn't matter if you're picking first this year, but figured I'd share that update just because you know you know you do want to be higher at this point, right? I don't need them to lose on purpose. I don't even need the root for them to lose. But you know, I guess you would rather be 31st than 29th. But again, doesn't matter all that much this year. Um, this was a game where the Sabers were really kind of dominated. I was surprised by this. Now, I thought the first period, and especially the second period, the second period, I was actually doing some other stuff, and I was kind of watching the game uh, while doing other stuff, so I kept kind of looking up and down at the game, and every time I looked up, it was in the Sabres' end, and the Devils were controlling play. So, the second period especially, it seemed like the Sabres were getting run over, and it did come out that way at the end of the game. Um, They're... Their shots on goal uh, at 5-on-5 five five were 26 for the Devils, 15 for the Sabres. Scoring chances, 26 for the Devils, 13 for the Sabres. So they doubled them in scoring chances, high-danger scoring chances. The Devils came away with 11. The Sabres came away with 5. Expected goals, the Devils were at 2.61. The Sabres were at exactly 1. So 9 times out of 10, the Sabres put that performance on the ice, and they're probably going to lose. But a couple of young players really put the teams on their put the team on their back tonight and carried them through. A forward, a defenseman, and a goaltender, who are all probably going to be a part of this team's future. Which that's a good feeling too. When they win and the the biggest reason they won is three guys that are a part of the solution or need to be a part of the solution. So and those three players are Casey Middlestat, Rasmus Dahlin, and Linus Olmark. Olmark, even, the, the one goal he lets in for the Devils um, was Jesper Bratt that ends up scoring it. Or Zaka, I forget which one of those was the this goal. But he just makes a sprawling side-to-side pad save that was unbelievable. And then the second opportunity, I mean, you can't ask him to stop both of those. Olmark, even the one goal, one of his best saves of the season. It just happened to be that no one was tying up the guy afterwards. So, Allmark, another great performance from him. Um, I talked a lot about him in our last episode and what it means that he'd be foundational and what that contract's going to look like. We'll talk more about Allmark heading into the trade deadline. Um, One other thing also, before I actually get into these young players, I failed to mention, Taylor Hall did not play in this game. I'm sure you know by now. If you watch this game at all, or if you were following the Sabres before the game, then you know that Taylor Hall did not play. That is so... It's not even debatable. It's the right call. 
he's played his last game for the Sabres. Fine. You were going to trade him at the deadline. What's the point of playing him now and risking injury and risking a second-round pick, a conditional first, a prospect, whatever you would get for him? There's no point in having him play these games. So I'm very happy the Sabres got around to uh, to not playing him. Um, okay, anyways, back to the guys that really carried the Sabres through this game, Dalene especially. I mean, the two plays of the game are both on his stick, and we've been waiting for those wow plays with Rasmus Dalene, right? Like, even th- if I can compare it to the Bills for a second, Josh Allen's rookie year, I mean, he was very inconsistent, but you were looking for those wow plays that would give you a sign that, hey, this guy could be a star. And for Allen, that happened. The jumping over Anthony Barr, the Vikings linebacker. The throw against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The bomb touchdown to Robert Foster when he's got five Jaguars hemming in on him and just crush him the moment the ball that the ball leaves his hand. I mean, we saw the highlight reel plays. And Darlene, like you can look at the possession numbers, you can look at his production at 5-on-5, you can even look at, strictly just look at his point totals, and you can see some plays he makes with with the puck. It's like, okay, this could be a really good player, but you never quite saw this elite, generational, highlight reel type of player out of Darlene. I think we've been waiting for those wow moments, and I don't know there's ever even been one. I mean, I'm sure there's been a couple, but I don't have a moment offhand that I could think of Rasmus Darlene like, this guy's going to be great because he did this. Like, I don't remember those types of plays for Darlene happening a lot. And you got two of them tonight. Maybe the biggest two highlight plays of his career in the same game. This is the Rasmus Darlene game. So far, through three years of his career, I know it's come in a season where he's struggled the most, been the most inconsistent, and the team has been the worst of the three years, but this was the Rasmus Darlene game. The toe drag on the shot on his goal. I mean, well, let's start at the outset. I mean, he beats the forward. This is the 3-3 three three goal that Darlene scores. The highlight reel goal of the, of the game. He beats the forward at the blue line to the outside, which is where the forward was headed in the first place. So for him to be able to push off his right skate and be able to get enough speed and enough strength on his, on his edges to be able to beat that forward to that spot when Darlene was starting from behind... I mean, that's incredible ability on his edges and with his skating, with his skate work, uh, to even get to the area that he gets to in the first place. And then the toe drag on the shot. I mean, that's an Austin Matthews shot. Changing the angle of the shot with the drag to gain an advantage and gain uh, and to improve your angle on the goaltender. Um, Darlene, man, like every skill is on display there. In fact, even skills that I've criticized him for, I very rarely will criticize Darlene because I do think he's been getting a bad rap. I think he's a 20-year-old defenseman uh, in a position that's very hard to come into the league and succeed right away at. And he, we see the hands. We do see the hands. We see the skating. We see the edge work. We, we see the passing ability. But I've always said, I've never seen the shot on display. And right there, that's a that's an NHL sniper's shot. That's not even just an NHL-level shot, which I've questioned whether Darlene has. That's a sniper's goal. To be able to change the angle like that and be able to get the velocity on it that Darlene does to where it's almost unstoppable by Scott Wedgwood, the Devils goaltender. So, what a play by Darlene on the goal. And then 
the four to three goal by Casey Middlestat that Darlene makes the play on. He gets the assist, of course, because he makes the whole thing. Um, now, I will say the keep in by Darlene is lucky. I forget which devil forward it was that doesn't chip it by Darlene, but chips it into him. Darlene does get a little bit lucky. But once he's got the puck, he's still being pressured, and he toe-drags it around Pavel Zaka. The toe-drag, again, like that, that, there's the hands on display. The vision to see Middlestat angled in front of the net, and then the ability to put a perfect tape-to-tape pass, the right spot, the right velocity, so that Middlestat just has to basically shovel it home. I mean, Darlene, man, that was the Rasmus Darlene game. That was the best game of his career. Um, And he is flying under Don Granato. And I'll get to it in a little bit when we talk about Granato, but I think Darlene's last couple of weeks are a feather in Granato's cap. Um, Darlene also made a comment after the game. He said, let me get the exact quote here, but he did say at one point, everyone wants to play with the puck now. And... That, to me, made me think of Ralph Kruger, because I never thought Darlene had the flexibility, and he, he, he had, I think he didn't have the restraints on, um, or I think he did have restraints on him, to where he wasn't able to make plays like this, because Kruger had him so focused on the defensive part of the game that he wasn't allowed to be himself. If Darlene was only ever going to focus on the defensive part of his game, he wouldn't have been a first overall pick, um... So, Granado kind of letting the leash off. I mean, and Darlene making that comment. Here's the exact comment. Uh, Darlene said, you see the guys are smiling on the bench. People people make mistakes, and we're good to just keep going and not care about them. Everyone has confidence. Everyone wants to play with the puck now. That sounds like a guy that before did not, you know, didn't want to make mistakes and was too worried about making mistakes because his coach was always just beating down on defensive principles. All that's all you ever heard him talk about was defensive principles, um, and Darlene is just flying in the face of that right now. He's showing that that was all a joke, the way that they were playing. Uh, Middlestat also, he finishes that Darlene goal or that Darlene setup. Um, a great job by him. I mean, he's the guy that's been fanning on pucks for for years, and this year he looks stronger in corners. He looks stronger on his skates, and he's stronger on his stick. That's another example of it right there. I mean, it should it should be an easy goal for an offensive player like him, but it hasn't come easy to him. But this year it has. Uh, so a good finish there by Middlestad, his fourth goal of the season. And the sauce to Rasmus Asplund on the 1-1 goal is a perfect pass right in the wheelhouse so that Asplund can, can bury it. And there were two Devils. It wasn't even quite a two-on-one. You had Subban and Zajac. They were kind of converging on the puck. There was a very small window to put that pass through, and Middlestad did it. So a great job by him there. He's up to four goals and six assists on the season in 23 games. And that might not sound like a lot. That's about a 37-point pace over an 82-game season. But if you factor in that he's only playing, averaging 14 minutes of ice time a night so far this season, um, it's really more like a 50-point pace if you were to up that to 16, 17 minutes of ice time a night, and he would continue along the same rate of production. So um, if Middlestat were to to have a little bit of a bump in ice time and keep looking like this, we could be talking about a 50-point player. And at the beginning of this season, I mean, I would have signed up for just a 30-point guy that can even play in the league. And Middlestat looks awesome so far this year. He looks, I mean, comeback player of the year. 
for the Buffalo Sabres. It's not even close. Is there another guy that you could even argue for that? It's it's Casey Middlestad. He's been tremendous this year, and we'll talk about. I want to talk about center when we come back when I talk about Granado. But he's adding. He's making it an interesting for what that's going to happen with this team at center going into next year. Um, but yeah, when we come back, I want to talk about Don Granado as a possible option to become the full-time permanent head coach. Uh, not something we would have thought about when Ralph Kruger was first fired, but now I don't, I don't know how you avoid that conversation. So we'll do that when we return here on the Lockdown Savers podcast with Joe DiBiase. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. A word for Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but you got the NBA. College hoops, the NHL, all in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine for these Saber games. You could bet on the exact amount of which either the Sabres or their opponent will win by. So if you think the Sabres are going to win by exactly two, you can find odds for the Sabres winning by exactly two. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. The best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag is the site. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Remember to use the promo code Locked on. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked on NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked on NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Locked on Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. Be a waiver wire winner with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Fantasy hockey expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long dynasty and DFS leagues. Follow the Locked on Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Also... Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast also on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. All right. Welcome back. Joe DiBiase at Sneaky Joe Sports on Twitter here on the Locked On Sabres podcast. Um, anyone want to talk about Don Granado being this team's full-time head coach? I'm trying not to get swept up in the whole... um, I did this with Tim Murray. You listen, especially me working at at WGR, and listening to these guys talk more than anybody. And that can get very old and very tiring. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, even even guys that succeed. Listening to Sean McDermott, for instance, who's done it... I'm not criticizing him as the Bills head coach. He's the best Bills head coach in my lifetime, and I, you know, it's not even remotely close. Um, but listening to that guy talk five, six times a week sometimes is can get <laughs> downright brutal. I'm not going to lie. And Ralph Kruger was the same way. So was Phil Housley. So was Dan Bilesma. Um, just, I mean, you couldn't listen to him. Just all generalities, all coach speak, never telling you what they really thought, and just kind of useless. Like any every I 
personally see a lot of interviews and press conferences that involve coaches like that as completely and utterly useless. And I don't know why we do them. But here's a guy in Don Granado where, again, I'm trying not to judge him uh, and judge whether or not he can do this job based on what he sounds like. But he comes off as smart, intelligent. He tells you what he's really thinking. And I got swept up in that with Tim Murray. Murray was a straight shooter. He would tell you exactly what he was thinking at all times. And I loved that, listening to him. I could listen to Tim Murray talk for 10 hours. But did it mean he was good at his job? Because for Murray, the answer for that was certainly no. But I looked at him positively just because of what he sounded like. And I'm trying not to do the same thing with Granado Because listening to him talk, he sounds like the exact type of guy that I would want to have for this team's head coach. Um, so I'm trying to judge it more on what's happening on the ice. But... In, in Granado's case so far, I would say that the, the performances and the, the style matches what he says. Uh, so Granado was on with Jeremy White and Sal Capaccio on the WGR Morning Show on Tuesday morning. And a couple of quotes that if you miss them, I'm just going to read off to you because I, th- it, it, I think you'll, you'll understand what I mean by how getting swept up in how he sounds. Um, so the question that Granado got first was to start with this group the way you, that you did was your goal to maybe identify winning as a team and as a group but were there certain players maybe that you saw as needing a little bit more attention than others and and, and it continues that you thought this key players that key player if we get this person back on track this team wins might come a little bit more so basically the question is set up for most hockey coaches to be like, well, yeah, but we need to improve overall as a team. The coaches will never talk about a certain individual. They'll, they'll make it a team answer. But listen to Granado's answer. He says, yes, and to kind of get a visual of that, this is Granado, yes, and to kind of get a visual of that, each player has a capacity at a very high level. There's a range. Guys are different. Darlene's capacity is probably higher than another guy's. And you look at that and you evaluate that as a coach thinking if we get this particular guy more towards his capacity, it may be more impactful right away. Darlene was one of those guys. Darlene was a priority for us, for me specifically. I fortunately worked with and had a lot of good defensemen. His age from Quinn Hughes, Charlie McAvoy, Zach Wierenski, many others. There are guys I've worked with for a couple years at the U.S. National Development Program and they're his age bracket. I was really, really excited to work closer with Rasmus for that reason and many more. He has untapped potential. That is an exciting player to have within our group. He engages so well. He wants more. He seeks me out. I will do a meeting, and he'll engage me afterwards. Very inquisitive and excited, seeing things as an opportunity. Um, the more situations we can get him in, my confidence is in Rasmus is he will recalibrate very fast, and when you do that, his confidence will grow. We want his confidence to grow, and that's really the biggest focus of all. So there's the whole quote. That was a long one, but let me pick out a part of the beginning of that. He says Darlene's capacity is probably higher than another guy's, and you look at that and you evaluate that as a coach, thinking if we get more out of this particular guy towards his capacity, it may be more impactful. That quote right there, he's telling you Darlene reaching his ceiling is more impactful than another guy's. And, of course, that's a truth that we all know, but you never hear a hockey coach say it. You'll never hear a hockey coach say, 
hey, Rasmus Dahlin is more impactful than Riley Shayan. You just won't hear them say that. And I know he didn't specifically, you know, call out Riley Shayan there. But the acknowledgement that we've got to get Dahlin going. Because the previous guy, Ralph Kruger, did not do that in any way, shape, or form. And I am starting to more and more think about Granado as a good idea to be this team's head coach. He clearly has a focus to make Rasmus Dahlin work as this team's franchise defenseman. And it's not just Dahlin. Henry Okuharu, too. Uh, they have both improved. They have both been playing together. I love that they've been playing together. Um, Sam Reinhardt playing center. I mean, you know me. If you've heard me over the last couple of years, I mean, I might have given the job... I would have given the job to Rob Ray if he was going to put Sam Reinhardt down the middle. I would have given the job to Rick Jenneret. I would have given the job to anybody that would have put Sam Reinhardt at center. So Granado doing that and it working and setting up Reinhardt to succeed at center as best he can. I know he doesn't have really that many good options for him to be playing with on the wings. Tonight it was Jeff Skinner and Victor Olofsson, I think. Um, Reinhardt at center as, as well. Like, experimentation, getting the most out of guys, using their skill sets, not being afraid to be different. Uh, Granado is checking a lot of boxes for me so far. And I don't care about this, but for the Pagulas, you know, if you, want, if, you, if you do want him to be their head coach, one box he checks for the Pagulas is cheap. Because... They're paying Ralph Kruger $3.7 million, uh, reportedly, next year. Um, So they're probably not going to want to sink a ton of money into the head coach of the Buffalo Sabres when they're starting from $3.7 million. And I couldn't imagine, you know, like Granado, I would would guess, hazard to guess, is going to be a lot cheaper than Bruce Boudreaux or Gerard Gallant, Claude Julien, any of these proven commodities uh, at head coach. So I'm liking Granado a lot, watching him very closely, watching the style the Sabres play closely. It's very loose. Uh, there's a lot more offense, it seems, creativity in their games. And uh, I think I think he deserves credit. Not all the credit, but he deserves credit for um, for a lot of these guys' improvements since Ralph Kruger left. Reinhardt, by the way, uh evaluate his performance at center just a little bit. He creates that second goal with the faceoff win back. They are 3-0-1 with him at center. It's not all about him, obviously, but they're 3-0-1 with him at center. I'll I'll take it. Uh, He wasn't great, though, in this game. Um, Corsi chances for and against were, uh, were he was in the negative in this game, so he does create that one goal, but he wasn't. They weren't. His line wasn't terrible, but they weren't as good as they were in his first three games uh, down the middle. So a, I wouldn't say a bad night for Reinhardt's line at, with him at center, but uh, not a great one either. Um, his his four games here at center, though, like the, I would say overall, it's gone really well, and I hope it continues through the rest of the season. And that could make next middle stats improvement too. Middle stats improvement and Reinhardt's return to center. Next year, you're looking at Eichel, Reinhardt, Cousins, and Middlestad at center. It's a great foursome. It's a great group. But I don't. Th- I, they're all offensive. So one guy probably goes to the wing. I would, at this point, if that group of four uh, all return next year, I would put Middlestad on the wing. I like Reinhardt at center. I would keep him there. Cousins, I think, is perfect for the third-line center role behind him. And then Middlestad... Can he maybe play on Cousins' line, play on Reinhardt's line, be a middle six winger, 
get you 40 to 50 points uh, playing 16 minutes a night. I, I think no longer am I just hoping for that for Casey Middlestead. I think he could do that, P- especially playing with either Reinhardt or Cousins. I think Middlestead could give you 40 to 50 points uh, as a middle six winger with some power play time as well, the way he's looking right now. All right, um, here's your here's your warning. A couple of negative things to look at uh, before we get out of here. Uh, starting with tonight's game. R2 Rutsalainen does not play in this game. I was pumped up. I was ready to see him. He was skating with Sam Reinhardt and Victor Olofsson. The guy should have been here from the beginning of the season, in my opinion. I think it's a joke that he's been in Rochester. I think the only reason he is in Rochester and the only reason you will ever hear anybody talk about the European players' need to go to the AHL, it, they'll say it's to to get these guys used to the North American game and the North American ice. It's a cover. It's not real. What they were really saying is these guys got to pay their dues. And we don't count playing in the Finnish league and in Finnish juniors as paying your dues because it's not in North America. That's really what that's really what you're hearing from teams and media that will tell you that. Um, so Ritzelainen should have been here the whole time. Tonight, it's like, oh, he's finally going to play. And then he does, never gets activated off the taxi squad and Matt Irwin goes in instead as a seventh defenseman. Matt Irwin, I mean, what what this year, that guy. That guy will be remembered for being chosen over promising young Sabre prospects. Uh, beginning of the season, you had Jacob Bryson and Will Borgen, who we've all been waiting to get a crack in the NHL. Matt Irwin goes in before them. They got to Matt Irwin before they got to two developing, promising prospects that have been waiting for a shot. And now... Here's Artu Rutsalainen, who's not super young. He's 23 years old, five years of pro hockey experience, a point a game in the AHL so far this year. Been waiting to see him in the NHL. And they picked a 33-year-old career seventh defenseman on a one-year contract in Matt Irwin to play five minutes over Artu Rutsalainen. Irwin played four minutes and 52 seconds of ice time. That, that, why? (laughs) Like, why? I I think they didn't have room on the roster, so they would have had to waive Matt Irwin. But who cares? One, no one's claiming Matt Irwin. And two, even if they did, so what? You're losing a guy that means literally zero to the future of this team and the future of this organization. He means absolutely nothing. And, hey, maybe Rutzelainen will mean nothing to the future of this organization, too. But there's a hope. There's 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 a potential. There's a ceiling. He led the Finnish League in goals. He's a point of game in the AHL. Like, let's... And you just had a two-year stint from Lawrence Pilot, a, a good European defenseman from Sweden that ended up getting frustrated by the lack of of playing time with Buffalo, so he left. You just watched a European guy leave because you weren't giving him enough of a chance. And here you go, less than 12, well, less, probably about 12 months later, exactly 12 months later, and you're right back doing the same thing. You're picking a guy that means nothing to your organization over a promising European player. Uh, the Sabres need to start caring about these guys that are coming from overseas and seeing what they got. Because, I mean, like if Artemi Panarin had chosen Buffalo for some reason over Chicago back in the day, would the Sabres have even played him? Or would they have sat him in Rochester for a year? 
because he needed to figure out how to not be in the third row of the stands because he thinks the ice is bigger. That that was a joke. I couldn't believe Irwin was in the lineup tonight. So that was one negative. And then I guess this is also another negative, just a little update from Elliot Friedman of thir- uh, on his 31 thoughts. Um, he says Kevin Adams is taking pitches on Jack Eichel trades. Um, or at least he's hearing that. He says it's not the same as doing it. Obviously, it's not the same as doing it. But he's taking pitches, and he's listening. Uh, I guess there's nothing wrong with listening. Um, you don't know where this is going to lead with Eichel. I don't think Eichel wants out. Uh, that could change come offseason time. I don't think he's a problem. I think um, I think a lot of the noise about Eichel is fabricated because we're assuming a guy would act a certain way in this situation. But again, we have not heard anything about Eichel actually wanting out. So to this point, I guess there's nothing wrong with listening, but I'm still thinking that a trade's not going to happen even though the GM is listening to offers, maybe. So just threw that out there as well as a little update. Uh, we'll talk more trade deadline, Taylor Hall, what the packages for him might look like, Linus Allmark, if they get to that, although I'm thinking less and less that that will actually happen. Colin Miller, Brandon Montour, there are a lot of guys to talk about come deadline time. So me and Jordan will talk about those guys in in the coming days. Um Sabres have Thursday and Friday night games, so we'll have uh, some game reaction to those games later in the week. Like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been Joe DiBiase on the Locked On Sabres podcast following a 5-3 to win by the Buffalo Sabres. Talk to you tomorrow here on the podcast. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.